Hi, and welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. And oh my goodness, Amy, this is a treat. This is a dream. We're doing something different today. Yes, we are. And there are reasons for that, and I will go into them. But first, you can explain what we're doing. So today, we are talking about the movie, dun, dun, dun. The Green Knight. Yes. So Chantel and I have a have a thing that we disagree about, and it's when the birth of Christ was. Okay, no. So <laughs> if it historically happened, historians say it was in the early spring, and his death was also in the spring. So they could have put either the birth of Christ or the death of Christ on the pagan holiday Eoster, and they could have put either of those on the pagan holiday Yule, and they fucked up. So we're back on our <laughs> bullshit is what I'm saying. <laughs> and we've decided that because we, we've we already covered the text version of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, we are now going to cover the movie version, The Green Knight, because we have opinions and it's been out for more than six months now and people aren't talking about it and i think we should get on that bandwagon and the connection sorry the connection is we did our last episode on a christmas episode and then we're recording on easter i feel like you know they should know the lore of the podcast by now if you're still listening <laughs> thank you oh my goodness so this movie, it was a treat. It was a dream. The thing that I think murdered me right away mm. and I immediately died mm -hmm. is that they call him Garwin. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to preface this with cinematographically, cinematographically, no, cinematographically, cinematographically, cinematographically. <laughs> Amazing. The cinematography of the film is amazing. There's a lot of weird shots. The costuming is super well done. All of that chef's kiss, fine, whatever. I've gotten that out of the way. But yeah, they call him Garwin. Garwin. I don't know if that's like a more realistic old timey accent, but I could not stop laughing every time they said it. Like for starters, his name is Gawain, which is dumb. His name is Gawain. And so I just call him Gawain because I'm not dumb. A lot of people do. Yeah, including our professors. So I'm just gonna keep calling him Gawain, including also the the BBC adaptation of Merlin. So we're going to keep doing that because you know how I feel about that if you listen to the previous episode. So yeah, that was dumb. Yeah, we're not going to give you a summary per se. We'll talk you through it in case you don't want to watch it. It's yeah, it's a lot. Basically, what you need to know is Sir Gawain is traditionally one of the knights of the round table and he is at his uncle Arthur, King Arthur's Christmas party and he gets a challenge from a mysterious green knight. And that's the, that's your context. That's what you get. But, you know, we had a summary in our last Sir Gawain and the Green Knight episode. So if you really want to hear the summary of what this is supposed to be, um, go listen to that. And then we'll pepper in what actually happens in this movie. Because it's not the same. I feel it's like not. you have to analyze the poem and the movie completely differently. In two separate episodes, if you will. Yes, I, I would agree. So the main, like the starkest difference at the beginning for me. One, Gwen has a love interest. Two, Gwen has a mom. Three, everything is like moody. Yes. So let's start it's there. It's a lot more serious. Because like the poem, it's all like, bang, it's Christmas for starters. 
Well, it's, it's New a Year's. It's fun romp. There's like revelry and they're like partying and Arthur has like this childlike party vibe. Like he's a fuckboy party boy, you know? <laughs> and here we don't have this. And like, it's all like, oh, it's Christmas. Go be merry. And I'm like, yeah, so be merry, you depressed. No one is being merry. There's like a long shot of some of the knights like laughing and it's silent and then all we get as the audience is like the most depressing party atmosphere it's like they're at a wake it is a christmas party and i felt like i was at a funeral it's not easter it's not, <laughs> it's not easter. easter so gawain is a party guy yeah it opens at a brothel is it a brothel yeah okay it opens at a brothel and he's with his girlfriend ish and he goes to mass and then he comes home and his mom's like oh you, you smell like you've been drinking the sacrament all night Yola. so that's fun but he's the only party guy yeah in the poem everyone's a party guy yeah we're all party guys the party at arthur's castle has been going on for 14 days when we get to it in the poem yes and i think unless they're like super hungover for some reason that's where they decided to start the movie <laughs> arthur tells Gwen, he's like oh like what have you like done with your life kind of thing and like Gwen's like uh nothing and then guinevere's like nothing yet and I'm like, why are you guys being cryptic? Just like drink and make out. Thanks. <laughs> like, it's not fun. The party in the original is like everyone's too drunk to fight. And there's lust yeah. and gluttony galore. And Gawain takes on the Green Knight because he is the youngest and he is like making a self-sacrifice. In this, he's like, oh, I don't have any stories about myself because I'm not a knight yet, which is also different from the poem. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go make myself a story. Yeah, because Arthur in this one is like, oh, I'm not going to do it. Doesn't crack a freaking smile either. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in the like poem, he's kind of like, okay, if nobody else is going to do it kind of thing. Arthur's like, oh, well, I can do it. And he's like, like right. no, you shouldn't. You're the king go drink your wine i'll do it yeah it doesn't start off great <laughs> is what i'm saying so they're at the party and then the green knight comes in and instead of just issuing a challenge like a regular person he hands over a letter which we saw gawain's mom writing yeah who's alluded to be morgan lefay yes which again this doesn't work with the original text but okay <laughs> we'll get to that the letter makes the queen guinevere yeah who's not named in the movie for some reason but it is guinevere almost no one is we'll get to that that's true arthur's not even named is he no i don't think so only garwin has a name out of the Darwin. out of the Arthurian legend people. But anyway, so she goes like I challenge you to a well that Which isn't also like in old English, basically. Well not actual weird. English, but it's like not in like common tongue that today. So like it's all like trying to be pompous. Maybe it's because the original they just threw down a gauntlet and Gawain picked it up. And yeah. in our context we would have no idea what the heck that means. But we would, because that's a common chivalric trope. It is a term but i don't think people know what it actually means you know well people could be educated in different ways but okay <laughs> so gawain goes to fight the knight yep. in the poem everyone's like oh yeah get him gawain you can take him because in the poem the challenge is you take a strike against me in a year i'll take a strike against you mm -hmm. and they're like if you strike him the hardest you can then he can't take a strike against you in this what are the motivations in this movie? Because the actual challenge is different. It's like, take a strike against me and then I'll take the same strike against you. Yeah. In a year. So he could have given him a cut on the cheek and then it would have been fine. 
Yeah. He actually suggests that. Yeah. In the play, it's like, I'll return whatever you give me. And they're like, okay, well, if I kill you, you can't return it. And Arthur's like, hey, man, like, remember, it's just a game. Like, take it easy, you know? Yeah. He warns him not to do what he's about to do. What are the motivations? I just don't understand anyone's motivations for doing things in this movie. Yeah. And that brings me to, like, the values of the quest here being different anyways yes so like it seems like in the movie it's more about like proving yourself whereas that's not really what it's about in the like the text yeah so if i had to pin down a message of the text and it is a fun romp so you don't need to pull out a message there's a whole episode that we did about how it's mixing christianity with paganism and it's just like enjoy the story and the stuff but if i had to pin down a moral it would be err on the side of mercy and compassion and you can still be an imperfect person while being a good person. Yeah, and as long as you like learn from your lessons and impart those lessons that you've learned onto your friends, good stuff. Yeah. In the movie, what is the message? Sacrifice yourself for others, I think, maybe? It's better to just not do anything. (laughs) Like, be honest and then die? (laughs) So he chops off the knight's head. Yeah. He chops off the knight's head. Which is whatever. Knowing... That this is a supernatural being who walked in and he's literally a tree. He's not just a knight wearing green armor. He's a tree that walks. He he is Groot. Why would you hear the challenge? I will return the same blow to you in a year from a tree that possesses your aunt <laughs> and then be like, oh, I'll just cut off his head and he'll probably die. Yeah. I guess. And then I won't have to do it. You could have literally not done that. And this whole movie would have been over right here. Yeah. And I think that one of the reasons that he has to be a weird tree thing in this one has to do with like that whole speech they have about like greenery and lust and life and whatever. But also because uh, Gwen doesn't use the axe to chop him down. He uses the sword, which is thought to be Excalibur instead. So there has to be like yes. a supernatural element because it can't be pinpointed to the axe was magic. Hmm kind of thing i see i don't think i would have thought that Mm. i don't think i would have been like okay the axe is like making him not die when he gets his head chopped off right he's a giant green knight but he's not even that big when he strides into the room yeah in the poem he's giant he yeah he crashes into the room and everybody's like yo you're crashing our party anyways we spend enough time on this challenge we should move on much like the movie needed to move on after 25 minutes okay (laughs) so anyway takeaway movie Gawain is a way bigger dumbass than poem Gawain and poem Gawain is already a pretty big dumbass correct oh here's an interesting detail in the in-between year between when he chops off the knight's head and when he has to go get his head chopped off there's someone painting his portrait and the portrait's a white dude so I think it's an interesting commentary on the whitewashing of history oh that's fun isn't it That was just a fun little detail. Then his mom, who is Morgana, who gave him the challenge for some reason. I don't see why she would have, I guess, like to make him seem more honorable so he could earn his place as a knight, except then he really screwed it up really bad. Yeah, so like here, like, I think it's to ensure that Gwen gets Arthur's crown afterwards Ah. because... I think it's like her machinations of trying to get Arthur to like die or whatever because Morgan Le Fay is traditionally Arthur's foe. Yes. So I think that's what it is. It's like trying to like... Kill him and get the throne for her family. Yeah. Okay. Well, she gives Gawain a green belt. 
Yeah. Now, this green belt does exist in the poem. It mm. just doesn't come from his mom because he doesn't have a mom in the poem. No. Much like Disney mothers don't exist. Yeah. Much like Disney mothers don't exist. Arthurian mothers don't exist. So the green belt comes from someone else in the poem but here it comes from his mom and it's supposed to protect him from harm so she's like okay you screwed up really bad here's this protection charm that you can wear anyway yeah it comes from lady Bertilac in the poem yes who we will meet later but is not named in the movie essel poor essel his girlfriend oh my god i felt so bad for her she just wants love yeah and he just totally uses her she's like will you make me your lady? And he's like, no comment. (laughs) Yeah, I think she was an unnecessary addition to this. He didn't need a girlfriend. She's part of an impactful part later. Yeah. Is the only thing I think she's used for. She's very much a, like, device. Yes. Not a character. She is not a character. She is a device, despite the fact that she has a name. One of the few. One of the few. But, I yeah, she's she's there to create man pain, basically. Then he gets to the year past his challenge, and it's time to complete the challenge by going to travel to the Green Chapel to get the blow returned to him. This dang journey is two stanzas in the poem. Yeah. It is a third of the movie. (laughs) Okay, it's actually, it's a bit more than a third. Here I have that it's about, I have that it's about 30 lines in the actual poem. Uh Uh-huh. So we'll give that to them out of like 2,000. (laughs) So... In, in this journey, I'm, I'm reading from Project Gutenberg here. Bear with me. The knight thence pursues his journey by strange paths over a hill and moor, encountering on his way not only serpents, wolves, bull, bears, and boars, but wood satyrs and giants. Okay, so the giants are in the poem. Uh, yeah, in a harsh, in a sharp winter. But like, it doesn't like explain it. It's 30 lines. The poem goes, oh, these months. Well, never mind. Various things happened. The poem is, it's the destination, not the journey. Yeah. Whereas the film is, it's the journey, not the destination. Yes. And that's annoying for me. It's very wild. I mean, I get why they did it because it's not very cinematic to just sit in a castle for the whole movie, I guess. I guess. And if you want to make it Hollywood, then the quest is more cinematic. Yeah. But it makes it a completely different story. Yeah, take a Walmart special and then make a fashion, you know? Um. <laughs> so I would say there's five acts in the movie. Yeah. Maybe there's just four acts. So there's him and Camelot, him on the journey, him at the castle, him at the Green Chapel. Yeah, which has an act in it, I think. Yeah, I guess. Okay. So there's like four to five acts. Yeah. We're in act two right now and it's very long. Yeah, too long. So here's a bunch of things that happen when he's on his quest that are not brought up in the poem. So there's bandits for First of all, like as soon as he leaves, there's bandits who go, let's mug him. Very rude. Yeah. And f- just I would have gone home after this. The bandit in this part of the movie is also in Eternals, the Marvel movie. Oh, okay. I don't know. It also doesn't make sense because they tie him up. They steal a bunch of his stuff, but they break his shield. They could have stolen his shield. Yes. Yeah, so they, they steal s- his clothes. They specifically steal his horse, his belt, and the axe. Yeah. And then he gets those back eventually. He, he 
rolls over to the sword that they yeah. left on the ground for some reason instead of stealing. Yeah, they fucking left Excalibur. The only reason they left Excalibur on the ground is for plot purposes. Yeah. There's no internal motivation within the movie for them to leave the sword on the ground, except that he needs to use it to cut himself free. So he uses it to cut himself free. It's pretty gross. He cuts himself literally and free. There's blood. Yes. It's Chantel gross. doesn't like blood. I don't. I don't like it. Fair. Sue me. <laughs> don't sue me. We don't have money. <laughs> See what I mean? They're like, yeah. There's no internal motivations in this movie that make sense. Like people just do things because it's interesting, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. Maybe it's trying to be like, oh, everything's just weird. I think the director and the writer are like that, where they're just like, let's make everything weird and let's make things not make sense because this movie doesn't make sense. Does not make sense. Then he gets to St. Winifred. Winifred is a lady that he finds in a house he tries to sleep in and she's like, what are you doing in my bed? But she's a ghost. She's like, can you find my head? Someone cut it off. It's in this hallucinogenic spring. Um... (laughs) Yeah, it's a great term for it. It's a very deep spring. And I can only assume that he was hallucinating when he was in there because it goes all light and purple and it's nighttime. Well, you've seen Merlin, the BBC adaptation, right? Yeah. And there's the lake. You know the lake Avalon or whatever? I do. I think that's the lake. In the Arthurian legends, there's a magical lake. And I think it's the magical lake. There is. Yeah, the Lady of the Lake. I think this is the lake, TM. Well, it's a very small lake, if that's the case. It's like a puddle. Yes. It's a very deep puddle. I agree. So the story she tells about why her head is in the lake is that a lord tried to sleep with her and then when she wouldn't let him he cut off her head and threw it in the spring. Classic. There's only one lord that we know in this story and that's Lord Bertilac who we meet later. Do you think Lord Bertilac cut off her head? No. No? No. Because he's too chill a dude? Yeah. Okay. I would say no. I, it was just a thought that came to me this time. It's a good thought but I would say Thank no you. because that would be silly. <laughs> Even for this movie would be silly. So he gets her head, he gives it back. This is the first time we see the fox. The fox is his own character. A beautiful fox. Oh, Beautiful CGI fox. When he gets out of the pond, he gives back the head, he sees the fox, and then he gets a message from Winifred. Mm -hmm. Winifred falls on the floor. Her head falls on the floor because he drops it. Fucking gross. And she says, the green knight is someone you know. Now this is interesting. Yeah. Because in the poem, the green knight is Lord Bertilac, who is the guy at the castle we're going to meet later. We don't know him yet. No. Is she talking about his mom? Mm. Or is it foreshadowing? Maybe. Because his mom made the spell. Yeah, that's weird. It's like, so have you seen Star Wars? Ugh, yes, I've seen Star Wars. Okay, so in the newer series, right, there's there's Poe played by Oscar Isaac. Yeah. And at one point he crashes and we all think he's dead and then he comes back, right? Spoilers. Spoilies. But that's, it's never explained how he survives. So it's kind of one of these, like it's never explained. Nothing ever makes sense. There's a lot of plot points that aren't working because they invented as they went and that's not good, except for this podcast. It's just wacky. Yeah. It's just a wacky thing. It's no win. Oh, he also gets his axe back. Yeah. No explanation for that either. It just shows up in the house after he returns her head as like a reward. Yeah, like he lost all these things and now he needs to get all these things. <gasps> I just realized something. Okay. The bandit steals the axe. Yes. Someone cuts off Winifred's head. Yeah. Did the bandit cut off her no. head with the axe? No. Okay. It's, 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 she's way too gone. Like she's way too decomposed for that. She is a skull. Yeah. So. No. So I, one of the reasons why I think it's like this is, so at the beginning it says that it's 
it's based on the chivalric romance by Anonymous, which is not what it is. It has a title. <laughs> so I think that's them giving themselves the creative liberties. There's a lot of air quotes there, guys. To make this a chivalric romance type thing where like he loses a bunch of things and he has to earn them back. So it's like a reward for doing the nice thing of giving her head back. Correct. He's already learned that if he doesn't do the right thing, he gets punished because he gave the bandit a tiny coin for giving him directions and then he got mugged by that same bandit. Yeah. And like in chivalric romances, there's a lot of like points where you like you do things, you get things, blah, 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 blah. We've played Dungeons and Dragons. We understand this part. (laughs) So I think it's like this. It's like them giving themselves the creative liberties of doing these stupid little things. Okay. It is definitely a choice. Yuck. So he leaves. Yeah. Oh, I said the lake was hallucinogenic. Now we actually get hallucinogenic seeds, hallucinogenic mushrooms. Nothing comes of that. No, that's just a scene. Oh, do you know that mushroom Tumblr post? Which one? There's so many. The one that's like people eating mushrooms for the first time (laughs) must have been off their heads like Mm, this one is tasty this one makes me see things this one killed me yeah exactly i think it's just that it's like we don't know what things are he's just eating random crap from the ground and he yeah hallucinates he sees the green knight nothing happens with that then he goes and yells at some naked giants if i saw some naked giants i would not yell at them he's like can i have a ride on your shoulder and she goes to pick him up and he flinches away if he was going to be scared of the giants uh, why yell at them I honestly none of the motivations make sense I was on my phone for this part because I checked out emotionally after the weird like freezing death scene thing that was not my jam it's just a lot so I guess they carry him some of the way to the chapel but it doesn't show that it's just them like singing I guess with the fox oh that was a singing part right and then there's a cut and then he's on the ground somewhere else yeah so I guess they carry him somewhere sure now we're into act three we're finally at Bertilax castle unnamed but yeah. we're gonna call him Bertilax because that's his name <laughs> yes he gets there he promptly passes is out. Yep. Uh, he has a weird hallucination again with his mom. As you do. And then we get to meet the people of the castle. So we still have Bertilac welcoming him in with open arms. We still have Lady Bertilac, who's got a very low-cut dress. And looks suspiciously like his girlfriend. <laughs> we still have the old woman, except the thing is, mm. is in the poem. This is Morgan Le Fay. Yes. This is the one who set up the whole Green Knight thing just to mess with Arthur. Yeah. But his mom is Morgan Le Fay. So who is this? Who's this woman who's just blindfolded and walks around the castle being creepy? Is it his mom? So his mom did wear a blindfold when she was doing magic. So maybe this is also a witch who's like channeling his mom? I don't know. I, don't I know. honestly don't know. Are they played by the same person? No, because this is a white lady. Right. We don't see her face because she's blindfolded. We don't know who sightless woman is. We do see that she's a random white lady with a blindfold. Yeah. I don't know. People in masks cannot be trusted. (sighs) Is she a parent? Is she kidnapped? I don't know what her deal is. Is she a witch? I don't know. She's just creepy. She just walks around being creepy. So this section is called an exchange of winnings. Yeah. So you expect to see the same deal and you get it. That's in the poem. In the poem, Bertilac's like, I'll give you whatever I find on my hunting trips and you give me whatever you get at this castle. Yeah. And then he has his wife trying to seduce Gwen because Bertilac really wants some D. We've discussed the bisexual 
sexual implications of these dealings in our previous episode. We have discussed and they do dive into it more, but it's different. Like yeah. he still gets the belt. Oh God. In this very strange scene. Fuck, this... He gets his belt back that his mom made. Yep. Except now Lady Bertilac is saying that she made it and she gives it to him. She, <sighs> I'm just going to say she gives it to him in bed. <laughs> She seduces him and she's like, take the belt from me, basically. And then he does. It needs a washing after. The scene is extremely sexual, but in the lonesome way. What does it mean? <laughs> um, Zero out of ten. I'm like, okay, I'm, an, I'm not like a prude necessarily, but I felt like it was unnecessary to the text. It was a lot it was like this is a movie not to watch with your parents yeah for multiple reasons because it's not good <laughs> but i just i feel like in the text there are multiple like giving there's three givings and takings there's three givings and takings and we jump directly to the last one here yeah we do we don't get the her trying to seduce him he gives her a kiss on the cheek no we don't get any of that he gives Bertilac a kiss on the cheek as well we don't get that no so he still gets the belt he still doesn't give it to Bertilac but that's not because he lies and says that he didn't get anything because he wants to keep it he just runs away right away with it yeah he's like okay I've got my like magic magic spell belt. I got seduced really weirdly by this lady who is a photographer. I'm just gonna peace out now. And Bertilac finds him on the way and he's like, do you have anything to give me? And Gwen's like, I just, I, I think I should really go is what I think I should do. And Bertilac's like, I think you do have something to give me, but I can just take it. And he kisses him, which is, you know, that happens in the poem. Yeah, good stuff. It's good stuff. Gawain's less into it than he is in the poem, I think. Yeah. He seems into it, but then he's like, unhand me. Bertilac was going to give him an animal that he caught in a trap, but he's like, I'll just let him go. It's the fox. Yep. And the fox joins Gawain again on the rest of his journey. The fox tells Gawain, like, give up, go home. Yeah, the fox talks all of a sudden and warns him not to go to the green chapel because it will be his doom. He says, come home to me. Is the fox also his mom? <sighs> I think everyone's his mom. I kind of think every character is his mom. God, it might be. Like, I don't know. Or is the fox his girlfriend? Oh, I don't know. His fox has a male voice, but that doesn't really mean anything because so did Guinevere at the beginning. Yeah, I don't know. It's strange. He gets to the green chapel. The green, you're right, is significant. Lady Bertilac had a long speech about like red is passion and green is like nature and it's what's left behind after passion fades and we die and it springs from the earth and some BS. And I think this ties back to that weird sexual scene because she specifically mentions like green is what's left in the womb after passion or whatever, like green here and being life. And like he gets the green belt after his passion oh god so there might be something there including later uh, yeah so he gets to the green chapel yeah the knight's sitting there and he has to wait a few days my partner was watching this with me the first time and said he saw Bertilac's face in the green night as the light was shifting. I did not see that. Neither did I, but it would make sense because that's what it is, but they don't explain it. That's what it's supposed to be in the poem, but I don't think that's him. 
I think it's I think it's just a spell from his mom. Yeah. Um. So the knight's gonna chop off his head, and Gwen's like, "Is this all there is?" And he does the smart thing, and he nopes out, and he's like, "Yeah, that was a fun quest. I'm gonna go." So he gets home. He gets cleaned up. He bangs Essel. He gets knighted. Everything's coming up, Gawain. Essel gives birth. He pays Essel off. He steals the baby. Yeah. The king dies and hands over his sword and crown. He marries some random woman for political reasons, I guess. The random woman also has a baby. He brings his son from Essel to war and he gets killed. He dies and nothing is coming up, Gawain, anymore. No, and there's also no speaking. And then their castle gets invaded and everyone dies. And then Gawain gets stabbed. And from his stab wound, what does he pull but the green belt that was supposed to protect him at the green chapel. That he's been wearing ever since. And then his head falls off. It was all a dream. It was all in his imagination. Just kidding. That didn't happen. That actually didn't happen. It was all Gawain's anxieties. We go back to the real present and Gawain takes off the belt and he says, now I'm ready. And the knight says, well done, my brave knight. Now off with your head. And the movie ends. And then there's an after credit scene of a little girl playing with a crown. Yeah, I don't know whose girl that is. Is that King Arthur's daughter? No, that would be like his daughter from that weird scene. What weird scene? Like at the end of when he goes to remove his belt, like his wife and daughter. Oh, so it was like an imaginary daughter? I think, yeah. Isn't another imaginary scene? All the scenes are fake. I have no idea. I don't know. But in the movie, he dies, I guess. I think my partner says no. I say yes. I'm positive that he does. Yeah. I think that's the only possible progression because the knight's about to return the same blow. Gawain does not have his protective belt. There's no way for him to survive this if his head is cut off and he's not magically protected. So yes. In the poem, because that's not the deal, the deal is you strike me, I'll strike you. Mm -hmm. And he just went all out because he's too much. The knight just like nicks his neck. Yeah. And it's like, see, you don't have to go all out. There's still like the weird, like, I'm going to do it. And then like Wayne's like, oh, no. And then he's like, I'm just going to, no. Like there's still that like the flinching. Roll of threes. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like when the knight Bertilac, um, because that's revealed to be Bertilac. In the poem, it is. In the poem, it's revealed. He's like, surprise, I'm Bertilac. And this was all set up by Morgan Le Fay. And this was a test on you. And you sort of passed, I guess. Yeah. He nicks him. And then he's like, you're fine. Don't worry about it. And Gwen goes back to Camelot wearing the green belt and then every knight of the round table wears a green belt to remember that you need to be true to your word to yourself like there's honor and virtue that kind of stuff yeah whereas in this he takes off the green belt that's supposed to be honorable and he just dies Maybe. What is the message of this movie? Well, what is it? I don't think it has one. Is it you need to work for what you've lost? Is it be true to yourself and you'll get rewarded? Is it your mom's crazy? Um, <laughs> like, there's no resolution. There's no explanation for the plot points. <laughs> Maybe we're just too dumb to understand this movie. That's entirely possible. Maybe we're just not smart enough for this movie. Maybe no one is. Maybe this movie's just above all of us and it's high art. Maybe that's what it is. But the thing about art is that it's better if you understand something about it, I think. Yeah. I don't know. So I have I have a thing here from the director, I think. Okay, go. That describes the film as being about the importance of comporting oneself with integrity and goodness over 
were being concerned with one's legacy, though the question of Gwen's or Garwin's ultimate fate is left intentionally ambiguous, Lowry stated that he wanted the possibility of Gwen being beheaded to be a positive thing. He faces his faith bravely and there's honor and integrity in that, but that doesn't mean he's dead. He's killed. He received the blow that was dealt and that all is set and right within the universe of the film. And I think that's dumb. You shouldn't get rewarded by dying. No, and I'm just annoyed. If you're gonna do something honorable, your reward should not be you get your head cut off. That's not a reward. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I have for some reactions. Okay. okay. Yes, please. This one is from, let me tell you something, bitch. Mood. One of our podcast mutuals on Twitter. It was long and had a lot of, quote, symbolism <laughs> and very little plot and character development. Yeah. I felt like it relied solely on star power. Wouldn't watch again. Yeah, I would agree. So the symbols, if we go look at the symbols, there's mm -hmm. like the fox. Yeah. I don't know what the fox means. Yeah, the fox comes specifically, I think, from the poem in the sense of like, it's one of the like game meets that uh, Bernala gives Gwen. I think that's the entire purpose. Oh, yes, you're right. He does give him some fox pelt or something. So I think because it's when Gwen doesn't give him the belt, I think it's a symbol of cunningness, like being cunning. Mm. And the fox is also on like a mural in Bertilak's castle yeah. that he sees. I don't know what that means. But that's the thing is some of the symbols are not explained at all. And like symbols don't always need to be explained, but they <laughs> need to be explicit. They need to be clear enough that you can read your own reading into them. It doesn't need to be the right reading because there is no right reading when you're reading a text. There are wrong readings though. This movie is one of them. <laughs> but you should be able to place some sort of meaning onto it and I don't know if I can with the fox. Cunningness is fine but he is he's not that cunning of a fox. I don't know what it means. Mm. And then there's some symbols that are explained to heck like the color green oh ad nauseum there was a monologue there was a soliloquy about the color green yeah we know what the color green means it means new life but they had to explain that so much and it doesn't mean new life because Gwen dies probably yeah anyways yes i agree with let me tell you something bitch because same then we've got amanda iman hello amanda from amanda's pick show also the co-host of culture pop a go-go <laughs> the mafia minute criterion crack and pot appetite how many podcasts do you have amanda i have one and it's too much <laughs> amanda said my favorite movie of 2021 oh amanda <laughs> no and i'm really sorry Amanda. i'm sorry that we we killed it. You know what? If they have an episode on it, I will actually listen to it and I will I will come back with thoughts. I will see if I can be skewed because mm, no, no. I have a rating for this later. Oh, goodness. Okay. Nuzzle House. Glenn from Nuzzle House. Hi, Glenn. Said, wait, let me get my Minnesota accent on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Casserole. Yeah. <laughs> I talk normal. Yeah, that's Glenn. Okay. I started out appreciating that it was a serious take on the story. Sure. But about halfway through, I was struggling because it's so dry and slow moving. Yes. Still a good movie, though. I see where he's getting at. Like, it's cinematographically, as we said before, which I pronounced that terribly again. I would agree. It is a visually stunning movie and I think it's trying to do something cool but I think because it's based on something else it ultimately 
butchered it. It's a loose adaptation. It's kind of like Howl's Moving Castle, where it's based off of it, but it's a completely different story. Sure. It hits some of the same like characters and plot points, but it's a completely different story and you have to analyze them separately. Like Howl's Moving Castle, the movie and the book are not the same. But does it explicitly say like in big text that it is based on this book. Well, they're both called Howl's Moving Castle have the same set of characters and are in the same location. No, no, like I get that. But like this movie specifically references that it is based on the chivalric romance by Anonymous. Like it, it bases itself on it. Like it calls back to it explicitly. I would argue any adaptation does that. Mm, I would disagree. Okay. Agree to disagree. I would say they need to be analyzed separately. And I know we just analyzed them together and analyzed all the differences. Even if I was to analyze it separately, I still wouldn't like this movie. I think it's a fine movie. I thought it was fine to watch. The first time I watched it, I enjoyed it. I laughed every time they said Garwin. The second time I watched it, I was kind of on my phone. And I was like, this movie's really long. It's too long. It is too long. Overall, movies are too long now. Movies need to be shorter again. Yeah. Remember when movies were like an hour and 15 minutes? Bring back 93 minutes. That's where I cap off. Thanks. (laughs) He wouldn't have even got to the castle yet at that point. No, that's the thing. Like I got to an hour in and we finally got to like pass some of the nonsense. And I was like, there's still an hour left? Yeah. There was 25 minutes of just him at the brothel and him talking to Arthur about not having greatness. (laughs) A serious take is a good word because it's so much more serious than the original source material as to be a completely different story. Yeah, like I was gonna be okay with it being a serious adaptation because that's an interesting take until they decided to just veer off the rails. I think people think that classical stories, like really, really old timey stories. Yeah, like Beowulf. Are serious. Yeah. They're not. Like sometimes they are, but for the most part, there's people like drinking, reveling, doing really sketchy stuff. We have a whole episode on the Green Knight and in it we talk about like how it covers each of the seven deadly sins with people just living it up. This doesn't have any of that and I think people just think that everyone was serious in old times. People were like they are now. Yeah. Just they didn't have phones to distract them. So I guess more so. Yeah, that's the thing. Like they make it look like, you know, people were always sad and depressed because God forbid they live in like pre-medieval times. And I'm just like, Jesus' first miracle was keeping the party going. (laughs) How did we lose this along the way? And Gawain starts out to be a party guy. Essel dumps water on his head and she's like, Christ is born, it's Christmas. And he's like, Christ is born indeed and like pulls her into bang. Yeah. But he loses that along the way. I guess it's because he knows his death is imminent, but I would also be kind of serious. But wouldn't you also be kind of living it up? Wouldn't you also kind of be like YOLO? He just goes and gets drunk and gets into fights every night because he can't handle it. Yeah. But he should be YOLOing it more. Yeah. I think he should YOLO it more. And I think in in the text he does. So I appreciate Glenn's interpretation that we thought this was going to be serious. And then we were like, Phew. Casserole. Ben. Ben. Anyway. Thanks, everyone, for your input that I didn't say I was going to steal for the pod, but I totally stole for the pod. Content. Do you have a rating scale on this, Amy? Yeah, I have one for the both of us. Okay. So on a scale of the journey to the destination. Oh, my God. How would you rate this? Oh, my God. I would rate this. 
like right before you get to the destination and you're saying like, are we there yet? Mm. It's an are we there yet kind of movie, you know, Mm. because it's very long. It doesn't really make sense. You're kind of delusional from spending five and a half hours in the car already. Yeah, I was going to describe it as an Ontario en route. Okay, hit me with that. It's like a weird, like they're all the same, but they're also all a little different. It's like a truck stop for our everyone else who's not in Ontario. Right, it's like a government thing, uh, I think, maybe. They give you rest stops on our major highways. Um, They're called en routes because they're on the route, but they're also on, in Ontario. It's funny, it's a pun. Yeah, it's got like a, a gas station, some coffee. Coffee shop, chain, fast food restaurants, um, a gift shop. Anyways, and they feel like the, this weird like third space area kind of thing. And they all look the same. So you kind of like you stop into them and you're like another one. It's the same. <laughs> like you don't need to think about where the washrooms are. You just know instinctively. Do you know where the washrooms are in this movie? Uh, yes, everywhere because it's shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like that, like you're always on the journey and there's no real destination you know oh that's how an en route feels like every time you hit one you're like oh we're still in this cool yeah that's my deal okay i think that's very similar ratings for both of us. it is just different takes different takes on the same rating that's all i have that's all we have for you today thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode uh you can head on up scroll on up to your little pod chaser doohickey and hit the little five star button you can also give us a rating and review on Apple iTunes, Podchaser, and Good Pods. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at UnsightedPod and give us your hot takes on this kind of garbage fire of a movie. Yeah, it's like it misses the essence because it's trying to do too much. I could be on board with that. Thank you for coming on this very long and confusing journey with us. And thank you for listening. We hope to see you in two weeks. And as always, we're excited, unavailable. I play Pokemon Go and I think you guys should play Pokemon Go with me because it's great. I'm going to find my trainer code and give it to you. How does that sound? Okay, my trainer code is 72603756165. Yeah, so we're, we're going to do that. You guys can add me on Pokemon Go. We're going to Pokemon Go to the polls. Um, that's funny. <laughs>